Okay, we're back with Chantal, and we're going to uh, speak a bit about her new business and stuff. <laughs> and stuff and things. <laughs> and stuff and things. So we worked together, what, for about five years? Yeah, almost six. And then we went our separate ways, and another long story short, I started my own business, and a couple of months later, you did the same thing. So do you want to tell us what you're doing now? Yeah, so I've always had a, a massive passion for the outdoors, conservation, photography, but always kept an office job because, you know guaranteed paycheck and after leaving the business that we worked with or worked at together I joined another one and realized very very quickly in that I, I no longer belong in the corporate world I'm a very free spirit I don't really conform to rules very well although I do get a job done I, I just couldn't be in that under somebody's thumb I think the corporate world has changed as well because yeah. it's definitely and we've both worked in the travel industry mm -hmm. and I, I've worked in the travel industry for the last 15 years and I assume you were the same yeah. because you started on the ships as well I just I I feel like it used to be fun and it just became not fun. Yeah, it's become very greedy and mm. you know, all businesses need to make money. You've got salaries to pay and you've got share, uh, shareholders to keep happy. But we're selling dreams and it just got lost along the way. It was, it all became very political. It's it's kind of a contest between the, the big boys of each big brand of who's doing better. And you know, I just started thinking to myself, there has to be more to life than doing this. I look at the things that I'm passionate about and, you know, if I had to just be able to give everything up and go and live in the bush, I'd be very happy. I don't need the material thing. And I started to wonder if it's worth putting yourself through that every single day for the material thing. Yeah. you don't actually want them. Yeah, I mean, I, I started to do some research, started to network with a few new people, started to get some opinions on things like my photographs and if there's a way forward for them, and decided this is it. You say, you know, you, you're working to buy stuff that you don't need. So what do you want to work for? Living in a city, you, you need to pay water and rights, and you've got a bond, and you've got overheads, and you have to have a car mm. um, living in Joburg. So you, there's a minimum threshold that you have to earn in yes, order to Yeah, no, there's, there are still bills to pay. But uh, kind of what are you working for? It's almost, it, without putting a negative connotation on it, it's, it's almost like a drug addict or an alcoholic looking for their next fix. For me, I want to be out there. I want to be diving. I want to be going out to Kruger and just spend a week there taking photos, looking at the animals, yeah. being outdoors. So aside from working to pay bills, I also work so that I can go and do those things because that's where I find true joy. Now. You obviously spend a lot of time in the bush. And that yes. Thing. So yes. I know that we've been camping with you a couple of times. Mm. <laughs> oh, well, that one time. That one time. That one time. <laughs> but you, you're kind of gone almost every second week. Yeah. Your folks own a place up in Marlis as mm -hmm. well that you go to stay at. Uh, do you do a lot of other traveling? Um, yeah, we take regular diving trips. Mm. Um, last year, no, what are we now? 2019. So last year we went twice. This year we've been three times already. Oh, wow. So it's it, the, the bug is bitten hard. <laughs> so that's why I say it's almost like, how can I get my next fix? Yeah. And I, I just love it. Just being outdoors, whether it's under the water or out in the wild. To me, that's what life is about. Obviously, you've started your own business and you're doing, being with your history and travel, mm -hmm. you, you've started doing sustainable travel packages focused on what you are passionate about. Yeah. So basically, Barking Wild is a lifestyle and travel business. Um, the travel side of it is really the major part because that is going to be where the income comes in 
And I basically want to send people on the kinds of holidays that, for fear of sounding cliche, that change your life. You know, we're speaking to like-minded individuals, we're speaking to outdoorsy people. Go out there and do a photographic safari. You know, it's it's all very tailor-made. I'm using general suppliers that I've hand-picked. These guys are sustainable. They're working towards conservation or they're helping out the community in some way or another, whether it be upliftment or jobs or education. I'm not selling just everything. If you've read my blogs, you'll see a lot of the stuff is around conservation and sustainable travel and certain things that aren't sustainable and why they're not yeah. and why we shouldn't support those. So what is sustainable travel? Because looking at travel and the way it's it's kind of broken down into categories, you get like eco-travel and you get like the, the, the people that only want to go to lodges that use like solar power and recycled water and, and that kind of thing. So what is sustainable travel? Because that's obviously... It, Eco-travel, I'd imagine, falls into sustainable travel. Yes. But what is the kind of general overall sustainability? So, sustainable travel is basically businesses and lodges and things like that that are valid. You can, for example, look at places like Reunion, where they're actually working very hard to conserve electricity. They're doing their own stuff in the gardens, you know, growing their own veg and their herbs. There's a beautiful place in the Drakensberg that I'm working with where all their eggs come from their chickens, all their veggies come from their Okay. These guys have locals running the lodge for them. So they're sustainable in terms of they creating jobs. They are eco-friendly. They've got a low carbon footprint. Unsustainable is things where it's just there for the money. If you look at things like lodges where you can pet lions, walking with lions, cheetah mm-hmm. runs, things like that, that is not sustainable. And the reason it's not sustainable is because you're exploiting wildlife for profit. And that's a big red flag. So we're working with sustainable partners. And what that means is they are giving back. They are ensuring that the conservation is in place. They're ensuring that there's no profit for petting. All of that sort of stuff is sustainable. Your last blog post that you posted this last week was yeah. all about the animal, pet, interactions. animal interactions and that kind of thing. And, and like you said in your blog post that you were part of that. You, yeah. you petted a lion when you were a kid. And very ashamedly, I petted a lion as an adult. You I don't. We've all done it at some point because we haven't understood what's behind it. And that's why I made the point in that blog that you see somebody in a ranger's uniform and you trust them because you assume that they're doing the right thing and they they kind of target your bleeding heart because they tell you about how these creatures need help and they highlight the peril to you so it's like take my money and you're not actually understanding that they're just using that to exploit you if if there's more education people understand why we shouldn't do these things and we're not saying i I actually got into a heated argument yet not an argument but a debate on Instagram the other day with somebody who was involved in a shark cage dive. Well, it actually wasn't a cage dive, it was a baited dive. So you get three different kinds of shark dives. You get your natural interaction where you're on a dive and a shark comes along. I've had that once and I've logged almost 60 dives, which isn't that much, um, but it's rare. You just, you don't generally see them. Then you get the dives where there's no cage involved, but they're baiting the water. So that means that they're taking dead fish and things like that in a crate with them to attract the shark. And the issue that I have with that is that it's creating behavior in the sharks that's not natural. So there's already a perception in the world that sharks are aggressive, they eat people. It's not true. They are formidable hunters. They can be aggressive when they need to be aggressive, just like any animal or person. But that behavior that you see, that riled up 
intensity that is not normal. So that's why I'm against beta dives with sharks. Yes, you're attracting them, but you're making them worked up and it's not a true experience yeah. because they actually are pretty chill. And then you get your cage dives. And, you know, you've got cage dives that are done the correct way and you've got cage dives that are done the incorrect. And that's why in that blog as well, I highlighted White Shark Project. I'll do some writing on them in the upcoming weeks, but they do it in a sustainable manner. Don't bake the water. They are tagging sharks. Okay. So when a shark comes to the cage, they're tagging it so that they can actually follow the data, find out where the shark goes, know what it's up to. And it's important. It's all part of conservation, just yes. like you would tag a wild dog or a cheetah. And, you know, they also they have the, the whole plastic drive as well. So they recycle. You, you take your plastics in. Mm. And you swap them for like pens and pencils and other stationery for school. So, you know, they, they're involved. But then you get the guys who are chumming the water, throwing you in a cage. Sharks are getting injured because they're hitting against the cage. They're not helping them in any way. They're not tagging. They're not working towards conservation. Unsustainable. We were in a debate about the debates. I said to this guy, well, I didn't say to him. I just commented on the post and said, you know, guys, just be aware. This isn't normal shark behavior. This is a beta dive. Beta yeah. dives create this kind of reaction in them. Blah, blah, blah. And he came back and he was like, well, it's no different than going to the game reserve and seeing animals. So to an extent, that is a valid point because you get people who don't respect the animals in game reserves. Mm. They will get too close to the lions. They'll agitate the animals by being in their space but at the same time if you're respectful and you're doing it the right way you're not interfering with that animal so it's not the same thing you know so there's unfortunately it all comes down to the way that we behave and that is what determines whether or not it's a sustainable practice in terms of sustainability um, are the prices not more expensive to stay at a sustainable place no not at all you do get a couple of places who will you know sort of post themselves as the eco-friendly lodge that has their own water and their solar panels and 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 they do tend to charge a levy for that that's not true sustainability that that's again profit for a label yeah. you know i'm eco-friendly it's you're paying more because it's organic it's that kind of thing i have found that the lodges that i've chosen are not more expensive because they're sustainable if anything they're actually more affordable the guys that are doing their own produce for example that's a big cost that they don't have to fulfill through a third party so yeah. they can actually keep their costs low and generally people that go through this much effort to ensure sustainability want to share that with other people you know so they're happy to keep their costs down in order to get guests in so that other people can experience that because for them it's not about money so talking about a sustainability as well if we just kind of flip back to um, animal interactions how would somebody who is not in this world know whether something is sustainable obviously animal interactions are a big no-no and that's like you say a red flag but there are a lot of places that tag themselves as like a cheetah rehabilitation Mm -hmm. and they do cheetah runs and that kind of thing and the 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 reason they give is that cheetahs were born to run and they need to be rehabilitated and all that kind of thing and and i'm not detracting at all from the places that do this in a sustainable way Mm -hmm. and are focused on the conservation but how do people tell the difference between those places and places that are doing it purely for profit. Yeah, and this is where it gets tricky because, you know, you you see one thing like the petting of lion cubs and you go, okay, I'm not going to support anybody who has big cats in captivity. That's also a mistake. Mm. because there are centers that are really working towards conservation. My biggest thing is do your research, you know, look at their website and have a look and see, you know, are they involved with people like the Endangered Wildlife Trust or the World mm. Wildlife Foundation? There's there's a lot of uh, conservation organizations that will be involved with 
these kinds of places if they are legitimate. The other thing is to ask questions. You know, generally when people have something to hide, they know that they have something to hide, so they won't be upfront. It's very easy to pick up a phone and say, this is a cheetah rehabilitation center. Okay, what sort of activities do you offer? Yeah, we do walks with cheetahs. Ask why. Why do you promote this activity? If it's dodgy, they tend to be quite shady about it. But again, the, the biggest thing is to see if they're involved with a big and proper organization. So to give you an idea, there's two monkey sanctuaries. There's, there's more than one monkey sanctuary, but I'm going to use two as an example. One of them is doing a lot of good work in terms of rescuing pets from people who can no longer live after a monkey because a monkey is not a pet and educating people in terms of why you shouldn't have monkeys as pets and giving these monkeys a place to stay. You go there, you cannot feed them, you cannot touch them. It's a huge enclosure where all the monkeys are living. They're being looked after. They've got veterinary care. You can walk through, but no touching, no petting, no fiddling with the monkeys. And then there's another sanctuary where you can feed the monkeys, you can pet the monkeys, you can take photos with the monkeys. Those are your red flags. So Cheetah Runs is actually a really, really good example because, yes, they do need to run. You can't have a cheetah living in an enclosure and it doesn't run. The challenge is any cheetah living in an enclosure can't hunt, mm. no matter how big that enclosure is. And yeah. I'm not talking enclosures like Kruger National Park or Pilansburg. Yeah. That's not what I mean. A cheetah needs space, it needs to run, it needs to hunt. As much as it pains me to say so, those animals would be better off put down than living in that scenario. So, yeah, cheetahs are difficult because obviously the bloodlines are quite scarce. There's massive issues with cheetahs and breeding. The females mostly produce males and oh, that's wow, why okay. the species is actually dying out. It's actually got very little to do with human interaction. It's just the genetics thing. So with cheetahs specifically, there's been a lot of fiddling. So with them, I would be a little bit more lenient than looking at something where there's lions bred for... The lions, all kind of the interactive ones, or the interactive lions. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the lions that are in these petting lion park type, type deals, they often end up in hand hunting. Yes, they do. Not so, even often, they do. So basically what happens is there'll be a pride on the premises or two or three. Another one is white lions. They love showing off white lions. I don't know if you're aware, but white lions are actually, it's a genetic defect. Well, it's an albino. It's actually something, no, no, it's, it's it's not even albino. It's got something to do with genetics. Oh, oh it's okay. actually, that animal is impaired. So those lions shouldn't continue. But they yeah. breed them intentionally because people want to see white lions because it's a special thing. Um, that's why you don't see a lot of white lions in the wild. It's not a. It's not like a desert lion or a. You know, because you get different kinds of lions. Yes. It's not like that. It's actually an impaired animal, and they continuously breeding them. So what they do is they'll, as soon as the the baby is born, they'll give it a couple of weeks. They'll take it away from mom, and they'll hand rear. So that works for them in two ways. The baby is getting used to people, and mom goes back into estrus because now her baby is gone, yeah. so she'll breed again. So it becomes a, a really good puppy mold kind of scenario yeah. where they just continuously breed, and these little ones are continuously brought in. So you'll note when you're looking at petting, it's always little ones, yeah. um, very seldom more than six months old. When they get to that age, they start getting groomed for walking with lions, and they'll continue to do that. Their noses are always pink. As soon as that nose turns black, it's reached sexual maturity, and you can no longer walk with that animal. He's a danger. That's when he goes to the canned lion park. Okay. So canned, uh, canned hunting is essentially these lions that are not natural lions. They're, they've basically been reared to not be afraid of humans. Yeah. They, they, they are comfortable with human presence. And so the, the hunt itself is not like a normal hunt. Because I'd imagine there's a difference between 
the type of person that does camp hunting and the difference. Not that I, personally I don't support trophy hunting either. Mm, yeah. For me, hunting is something that you would do to feed your family because you live out in sticks and you need to shoot bookie in order to feed yourself for the next month. But the, the, to get back to the lions, the these lions will basically not behave like lions. So, so there's not actually much to a camp hunt. There's no skill involved because the lion is just basically sitting there and you can nail it. Yeah, so when they reach sexual maturity, they obviously change and they mm. do become a little bit more dubious of people. So one of the common practices is that they actually drug them. So Mr. Whoever is coming over from the States, he wants his big male lion mm. and he wants a mane of this big and this color. These lions have been living there for years. Yeah. So they've got nice and big and beautiful and very little scarring on the faces because they're kept separate. They're not fighting with each other food or yeah. territory and basically they'll be drugged so that they can't run they can't get away mister will usually be on the back of a bucky or some sort of safari vehicle he'll shoot from there easy peasy um, and it's done going back to your point on hunting i would never be able to shoot an animal myself never in a million years but there is sustainable hunting creates a lot of jobs in this country but trophy hunting that's a little bit touchy when you're drugging an animal you're not giving it a chance mm. it's in an enclosure that's probably not even a square kilometer it's efficient a barrel yeah, yeah you know and he really he didn't stand a chance at all and that's wrong okay so obviously the, the stuff that you're putting together for um your packages you, you're avoiding and you've done your research and so people yeah. looking through you uh will not be supporting any kind of trade uh that supports these unsustainable yeah. practices no, absolutely fortunately for me because i have been involved with conservation for many years i am aware of what is legitimate and what is not you obviously learn a lot every day and i do my research heavily on my partners i don't just sell anything the stuff that i'm selling i'm selling for a reason and there is no such interactions involved at all okay fantastic um, i've actually signed the bloodlines pledge as well mm-hmm. um, and that means that as a tourism provider i will not sell any interactions whether it be petting walking any of that sort of stuff okay now what's the difference between a walking safari and walking with lions for example because you get these guys that mm-hmm. will take you like rangers will take you out on a bush walk so there's obviously a difference between the, those two things absolutely so you're walking with lions is again happening in an enclosed space it's happening with lions that were hand reared which are supposedly tame and you do uh, i don't know how long it takes or whatever but i've seen the videos and you just kind of walk along with them and you've got a ranger with you and it's happy days if you're doing a bush walk or a walking safari mm-hmm. that's usually done inside a massive so places like Mabula, places like Kruger, Pilansburg, they have walking safaris. And the way that that works is you basically get taken with a ranger. You get briefed before on behavior, things you should do, things you shouldn't do. If you do come across a big animal, this is how you need to react. Because these are wild animals. They yeah, haven't yeah. been hand-reared. They're not used to people at all. And they are unpredictable. So yeah. the ranger is usually armed as well, just in case. And you, you take a walk through the bush. And he'll show you poop that you come across. He'll show you animals that you come across i've only ever done one once and we didn't really see very much to be honest Mm. so i'm not sure that they're worth the cost (laughs) but it is still really cool you know whenever you go to a legit game reserve and you're in a vehicle you always wonder like you know if i had to walk over there what would i see you know it's it's kind of scary and exciting at the same time to be exposed like that and it's still pretty dangerous because anything could happen elephants are usually your biggest threat but again these rangers have spent so much time out there they know the animal behavior they can pick up when things aren't quite right and you know they're there to look after you as long as you follow their instructions yeah, I thought it was just important, seeing as we were talking mm, about the no, sustainable stuff, just to clarify, 
yeah. not all walking safaris are bad. Again, it just comes down to reading up. You know, at my previous business, we were also very much into sustainability and the Tread Right Foundation was part of our anchors, which was great. But I saw a lot of fear in my colleagues in terms of what you can offer and what you can't offer. And a lot of them just pulled back completely and said, okay, well, if it involves an animal, I'm not offering. And that's not what we're saying. We're just saying when it does involve an animal, make sure it's ethical. So we've spoken about diving, the safari side, what to look out for, what type of packages you offer. The other thing that you do is uh, photographic Yes. Uh, safaris. Uh, you yourself are a photographer and we're currently in your house and all the pictures on the walls are beautiful <laughs> pictures that you've taken out in the in the bush. So you, you're obviously a photographer yourself and do you give people that want to do photography, safari, hints and tips? Or is it, are, are you catering more to people who are photographers already and they want something super wild? Actually bits of both. Okay. So one of the, the categories in my blog is photography. Yeah. So from time to time I do cover things on top tips and, yeah. and ways to get the most out of your equipment and yourself. With regards to the photographic safaris, I have everything from pangolin safaris, very, very high-end Southern Africa safaris. Definitely aimed more at your guy who knows what he's doing. They don't come cheap, so I don't see amateurs wanting to actually take part in that, unless they're still there for the wildlife. Very, very light. But that's amazing because you actually can have like Chobe River cruises where you're on the boat taking photos of the, the animals on the side of it so it's it's very very special but I'm also doing things for your amateurs or your guys that are just looking for a more tailor-made experience being a photographer myself I am comfortable to take guests out so we could do free national park safaris I could arrange accommodation for clients we can do little briefings things like that so that's just a little bit of a different take on it because that would be in a self-drive environment so yeah sort of traveling more in a convoy and still communicating over two-way radios but instead of being in a safari vehicle Mm. you've actually got your own space okay Okay, so are you actually traveling with people uh, in terms of your clientele? Uh, so obviously you're not necessarily a tour guide yourself, but is that like an option that you would offer? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, we're doing it on the ph- photographic safaris and we're doing it on the diving. So because we have a very, very good relationship with coral divers in Sudwana Bay, they are great with groups. And if you go with a group of people, you can actually have exclusive boats for yourself. Oh, fantastic. So that means that you and your family or you and your friends, for example, are diving just you guys. Yeah. With strange people. The diamond community is great. Generally, we're a lovely bunch of people, but there are some real morons out there. If you get lumped with one of them as your buddy, it can ruin your life. So that's a really nice option. And because we dive ourselves, we would obviously be able to join in on that, help people find things. Um, so, you know, I don't like the term to a guide. It's, it's more of a concierge kind of service. Okay. But for clients who are looking for that sort of thing, we can definitely yeah. tell them that. Fantastic. And then you do it for local South Africans as well as anyone coming yeah. into the country. You know what? For me, it's it's not about who I'm selling to or where they're going. It's about the experience that they're looking for. So I'm not limiting myself. I mean, if you go onto my website, you'll see there's a couple of packages listed there, but that's not where it ends. To me, this is about an experience yeah. that I want my clients to share in. So if they come to me and say, look, I want to see the most rare zebra in the world, I'll figure out where they can go can't guarantee you'll see it <laughs> but it's all about these experiences more than where they go or where they're from all right so on your website you've got an online store as well uh you've got i don't know what you've got on there but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like your kind of artisan stuff local local, local. is lacquer that's basically the the thing proudly south african i've got a couple of entrance tickets and activities on there mm-hmm. that i've gotten through again sustainable partners so things like mudder ping and stadfatine caves city red buses two oceans aquarium 
there's some activities like kayaking in Lalo in Storms River. Um, really, really fun stuff okay. um, that doesn't necessarily need a full consultation with me to solve. Easy enough, you can go on, you know you want to go to Stab team, you can buy your ticket down and dust it. Okay. But I'm also looking at goods. Uh, so I work very closely with a couple of local eco-friendly products. Um, one of them is Ultra B. It's an amazing product. Really, really good skincare, and they've got different ranges. So they've got things from sunscreens to mosquito repellents to tissue oils, you name it. Okay. Uh, I actually use it myself. Really, really good. I'm working with them. Okay. Uh, it just excuse my ignorance, but mm-hmm. uh, Ultra B. Obviously, it's all B-related products. Yes, so it like is. the wax and the honey. That's and, it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they use the wax and extracts and all sorts. Of really, really cool. And I'm looking for a couple of more products. So homemade stuff. If you are a small business person and you make blankets or I don't know, print shirts, anything like that. Okay. Um, that's local. That that's really where the the small business part of it comes in. Okay, does it have to be a sustainable product? Yes and no. So if you are making shoes, for example, and you've got 12 little children from Asia making them in your garage, no, I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, if you are doing something, unfortunately, things like craft beers, gins, that sort of thing, I I can't because I don't have a license. Um, But, I mean, you could be making candles or soaps or I actually saw a thing yesterday, this lady makes, you know, those mobiles for cots? Yes, yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. She's a small business owner. It's not necessarily eco-friendly that she's not making it from, like, old plastic, for example. But she's still a small business owner. She's proudly South African. You know, she's not giving her profits to the drug trade yeah that's why i say yes and no so we'll obviously leave your details right at the end we'll tell everyone how to get in contact with you and that kind of thing your blog you've got a blog on your website that covers all the topics from safaris to how you got involved in conservation to how to take photographs and all that kind of thing Mm -hmm. people can subscribe through your websites yes so it's really easy to subscribe at the bottom of all my pages is a subscription panel okay um you just leave your name and your email address and you've subscribed, you'll receive the blogs, you'll receive offers and any other news that we, we have. Okay, fantastic. So how would people get in contact with you if they need to? Uh, you're obviously on social media, you've, you've got a website, do you want to give us all those details? Um, yeah, so on our website, it's probably the easiest way to find all our other channels. You just go to www.barkingwilds.co.za. There's an email contact thing there, there's a subscription thing, my phone number, everything is on that website and all the links to our social media pages. Okay, fantastic. Uh, which social media are you on? We are on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we've got a YouTube channel as well. We're on Twitter and we're on LinkedIn. Okay. I, I know you're active on all those profiles. because Twitter for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still wrapping my head around Twitter. I'm trying. If people want to see the, the beautiful photographs you take. Oh, then... yes. No, there's a gallery on the website as well. Okay. And I do welcome my, my clients and my friends to send their photos through. You'll get credit for it on the website. We'll put a little caption. You can tell me where it was taken and why you sent it. And you can send that through on email or via WeTransfer if it's okay. a very big file. All right, and then uh, obviously the company name is Barking Wild, and yeah, I think that's kind of that's it. That's it. So this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me <laughs> in your home. Yeah, now we're gonna go and drink a couple of beers. I think sounds like a plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>